Chronicles of the Awakened is an ongoing story-based podcast and is a work of fiction. It is created and narrated by J.A. LaRock. You can find this podcast on Himalaya, iTunes, Spotify, and wherever else podcasts are found. Chapter 44 The Making of an Enemy Chase stumbles, falling to her knees. Her hands dig into the black sand beneath her. She looks up ahead at a stream of crimson light shining up to the sky in the distance. Chase had only moments ago closed her eyes and linked with Lisette's life energy, but to her, it feels as if she had been traversing this massive black void for days. Without any of her abilities and surrounded by darkness, Chase has only that light in distance as a guide. Returning to her feet, Chase presses on, increasing her pace. She knows she cannot remain linked to Lisette for very long, as her control over the life energy from the power battery is already weakening. Several hours pass. Chase approaches a small city square that looks as if it has been ripped from a larger city and dropped in the middle of the void. Chase looks at each building as she passes them. They appear as if they had been long destroyed, each covered in bullet holes and blast damage. Paris? Chase whispers to herself, realizing where the city center had come from. Chase exits an alleyway, which opens to the city square. She looks ahead at a massive cylinder-shaped barrier, half a block wide, swirling with crimson life energy. Chase slowly approaches the barrier. She can feel the anger and pain from Lisette as she draws closer to it. Chase reaches out her hand to touch the barrier when a voice from behind startles her. No. No hope. Chase spins around and into a defensive stance. She relaxes as her eyes locked on to a little girl sitting on the edge of a broken water fountain. Chase becomes more aware of the life energy around her as her sensory abilities slowly return. She can detect the life energy within the little girl. It is the same as Lisette's, but fragmented, as if only a small piece of her soul. It's okay, Chase says calmly. My name is Chase, and I'm here too. A wave of energy strikes Chase, dropping her to her knees. Chase screams in pain as visions flash in her mind. As the pain slowly subsides, Chase looks at her right hand. A faint aura of white light surrounds it. I'm losing control, Chase says as she looks up at the little girl who appears to be unaffected by the energy wave. I have to destroy this barrier, Chase tells the little girl. Those energy waves, they are from where I live. I can use them to free you, but I need a way to focus them. No, no hope, the little girl repeats. Chase stands and approaches the girl. It is then she can see and feel that the little girl is focused on the barrier and can't comprehend Chase's presence. 
it is clear the little girl will not be able to provide Chase with any information. I need something to direct the energy at the barrier. But what? Chase looks around the city square, searching for anything that can assist her, but sees nothing but broken streets and destroyed buildings. Chase closes her eyes and thinks back on her training with Naveen. Naveen taught Chase that during meditation, or when performing a retrieval, she can create objects with her mind that can assist her. Chase recalls creating her favorite stuffed animal while meditating, using it to focus her mind and not to allow her thoughts to turn to the day of her death. Okay, Chase says to herself, I can do this. Chase opens her eyes and focuses on several locations around the city square. An aura of white light surrounds her body as large prisms appear at those locations. Another wave of energy strikes Chase, causing her knees to buckle. She screams in pain as she falls to the ground. The images return. This time, Chase can make out some of them. One is of a woman standing over her with her hand outstretched. Another is of a city in ruin with a woman on her knees and a man standing next to her. While Chase does not know what either image means, she does know it is not a memory from her past. Chase shakes off the pain and quickly makes her way to each prism, adjusting it to focus the life energy onto the barrier. She finishes adjusting the last prism as another wave approaches. The energy wave hits Chase, but she is able to remain standing and looks at each prism as they each grow a different color and direct a blast of energy to the same focal point on the barrier. Chase looks at the six prisms she created. Only then she realizes that she never specifically knew how many prisms to create and that six had appeared independent of her thoughts. Chase looks at the six different colors of the energy. White, red, blue, green, yellow, and gold. Chase, standing next to the gold prism, slowly reaches out her hand to touch the energy when she hears the little girl scream. In a flash of light, Chase disappears and reappears next to the little girl. Chase stumbles, surprised by her ability to perform a light speed movement, something she had only recently started to learn about, but had never been able to perform before. It... it hurts. The little girl says, pointing at the small hole made in the barrier by the combination of energy rays. I know. I I'm sorry, Chase says, touching the little girl's shoulder. We have to go inside, but I will be with you every step of the way. The little girl looks up at Chase with tears in her eyes and slowly nods. The little girl's eyes flash a blinding light then engulfs Chase in darkness. Lisette? Lisette? Chase calls out, still blind and confused. I'm sorry, the little girl says. Chase feels around in the darkness, trying to make out her surroundings. Her abilities are once again gone, but in the distance, she can feel the heat from a fire. As Chase draws closer to the heat, her eyesight slowly returns. As the darkness fades, 
Chase can see a home engulfed in flames. In front of the home are several first responders and two small children, one a boy, and the other Chase can see is a little girl. Just like in the city square, the home and the street out front appear as if they were ripped from another location and placed in a dark void. Chase approaches the children who are sitting in the back of an ambulance with an EMT. Neither the children nor the people around them acknowledge Chase's presence. As Chase stands next to the children, a police officer approaches blocking both the children's view from the entrance of the house. A group of firefighters carry out two body bags and load them into a morgue truck. The officer motions to the EMT to step away from the children with him. Chase follows them over to a squad car. We're going to need trauma services to meet the kids at the hospital, the officer says. Do you think it was an accident? The EMT asks. The officer slowly shakes his head. Now, you're trapped with me. The little girl's voice startles Chase as she spins around to see the little girl looking directly at her. Can you see me? Chase asks. The little girl points in the distance. Chase turns around to see where there was only a dark void before is now a jail cell. Chase looks back at the little girl who no longer looks as if she is aware of Chase's presence. Chase walks over towards the jail cell. It is another fragmented scene, a memory from Lisette's life. A young woman, no older than 22, sits on a metal bed inside the jail cell. Though her long, straight black hair from her hung head is covering most of her face, Chase can see many cuts and bruises beneath. The older Lisette was clearly in a fight. Her fists are also scarred. Chase watches as a man wearing a military uniform approaches the cell. So you won't even stand before your superior? The man says to Lisette. I don't see any superior, Lisette says. Chase can tell from the markings on the uniform that the man is a Federation officer. The man pulls a small electronic tablet from his jacket and holds it out towards Lisette. Do you know who I am? The man asks. Lisette slowly raises her head. As her eyes reaches his, she charges the cell bars, slamming against them. Lisette reaches out to grab the man, but is just inches short. The man shakes his head in disappointment. I understand. The anger. Over your brother. Steven. Don't you say his name, Lisette screams. Don't you ever say his name. You both volunteered for service after you learned that the fire at your childhood home was caused by an alliance assassin. Your mother and father were both spies, and because of your family's diplomatic past, were able to travel the world more freely. When your mother and father asked to end their service, we were disappointed, but granted their request because of their years of loyal service. And what... Did that loyal service get them? Lisette says. 
You did nothing to protect them. That's not true, the man responds. Your parents didn't want our protection. They wanted to completely remove themselves from the war. From us. But we had agents watching them regardless. But the person they sent. The man turns away from Lisette. Chase watches as Lisette approaches the bars again, but this time in a calm manner. Tell me, Lisette says cold but softly. This information would normally not be for a soldier of your rank and clearance, especially not one who put six men in the hospital, including your commanding officer. The man approaches the bars, coming eye to eye with Lisette. The Alliance have been working on an enhanced soldier program for years, just as we have. However, they had a significant breakthrough and was able to enhance one of their members, a high-ranking soldier, part of their Alpha Factor Special Operations Team. In response, we attempted to acquire the information on the process and destroy the data. That was the last mission your parents were sent on. They retrieved the data and were ordered to destroy the facility and kill anyone associated with it. Normally, it would not have been a problem for them. But the soldier had a civilian wife and a young child. Your parents asked permission to spare the family, but were denied. As I said, they were loyal. And so, they planted the bomb. The mission was both a success and a failure. We destroyed the Alliance Enhanced Super Soldier Program, but the data they retrieved was useless. The enhancements were designed specifically for his DNA and his DNA only. There was no way to modify it to be used for any other person. It made no sense to our scientists, but the brass were at least pleased that the Alliance would no longer have such a powerful weapon. But they did still have a weapon. The child, Lisette replies. Yes, your parents took the child and left it on some family's doorstep. But that family took the child to the Alliance military once they learned of the attack. The military raised that child to hate the Federation. But even more, that child hated your parents. He was eventually given the process and the enhancements worked. The Alliance wanted to use him in order to breed more soldiers. But he went AWOL and began hunting your parents. So, this enhanced soldier killed my parents, Lisette says. How did we survive? What does this have to do with my brother? He spared your lives, just as your parents spared him. I think he knew you might come for him one day, but was fine with that. Of course, we could not tell you all the details of your parents' death, but we told you what we could. It was because of that that we raised you in the system 
to join the military, to fight, to avenge them. Both you and your brother possessed extraordinary skills, just like your mother and father. The difference between the two of you was that you never cared about the Federation or the war. Your brother did. And when we found the location of the enhanced soldier, we sent him in with an elimination team. Lisette slams her fist against the cell bars. You sent my brother against an enhanced soldier? The Alliance had searched for him for years and could not find him. That was because he was hiding deep within Federation territory. While still enhanced, when we tracked him, we discovered that the process was flawed. The older he got, the less enhanced he was. He also seemed to want to live his life in peace, but if the Alliance ever captured him, they could still force him to produce offspring. And we couldn't allow that. There was a mole within our strike team. He alerted the Alliance, and they sent a team to capture the enhanced soldier. They would have escaped with him if your brother had not sacrificed himself to stop them. He rushed their helicopter and detonated explosive. He both avenged your parents' death and ended the Alliance's chance to create an army of enhanced soldiers. Lisette falls to her knees. Chase walks up to the bars of the cell and reaches out her hand. She is startled when her hand passes through the bars. Chase turns, looking back across the void to the still burning house. None of the retrievals Chase have ever been told about have unfolded in such a manner. Chase wonders if the fragmented retrieval is due to the demonic cell process or perhaps the bombardment of life energy from the power battery. He told me he was going on a secret mission the day before he left, the set begins. He would never give me any details, but the look in his eyes, it was as if he knew he wasn't coming back, but was okay with it. Lisette looks up at the man. I wasn't okay. He soaked up all that Federation propaganda like a sponge. I, I knew it was bullshit, but I liked the training. The killing. I begged him not to go, but I knew he would never listen to me. Lisette lowers her head. Why are you even telling me all this? Lisette asks. The man reaches through the cell bars, handing Lisette the tablet. Lisette takes the tablet and reads the information on it, then lets it fall through her fingers to the ground. Some of your men, Lisette begins. They still have a problem with women. Not to mention soldiers with a different sexual orientation. They knew I was mourning my brother's death, 
but they still couldn't keep their damn mouths shut. They said he died because he wasn't a real soldier or a real man. I saw red. And then they did. I didn't even notice that my CO tried to restrain me. At least he'll live. But the other three won't, the man interjects. I told you everything because at this juncture, you have two choices. The firing squad. Or Mission Black. Lisette slowly looks up to the man, then slowly turns her head to Chase. Well, at least we'll die together. Next time, Chapter 45.